This is Steven. And this is Tracy. And this is the Just the Two of Us podcast. following platforms apple podcast google play spotify tune in stitcher soundcloud and podbean just search just the two of us podcast follow us on social media on facebook just the two of us podcast or on twitter we can be found at jttou podcast or follow us individually. You can find Steven at Nipsey, N-I-P-S-E-Y, or follow Tracy at Trayrific, T-R-A-Y-R-I-F-I-C. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our podcast. Hi, Steven. Hey, hey Tracy. <laughs> What's going on? Nothing much. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing much. Still, still hanging out in this, uh, in this demic. Yeah, this Rona demic. <laughs> still in this demic. We've just shortened everything. Rona demic. <laughs> that's that's what black people do. Like yeah. I, I saw someone say on the internet, they like black people would give like a nickname to a nickname, and they would be like. <laughs> You know, Jonathan got the Rona, and then somebody be like, "Oh no, not the Roro!" Right. <laughs> we are hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but that's why I, that's why I love black people. And, yeah, and we're gonna talk about some black people tonight. We are gonna talk about some <laughs> black people tonight. Welcome to our Lovecraft Country podcast. Yes, indeed. Telling you right now, if you have not watched it, don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> right, because this is going to be full of spoilers. Full we don't spoilers. care. We're not going to give you sp- any more spoilers than when you're getting right now. We're just going to talk about stuff that's already happened. So, yes. And preface this by saying we haven't read the book, so this is just based off of right. everything we've seen in the TV show. Right, right. And um, we aren't going to talk about any of the background either um, of Lovecraft and the yeah, the books and H.P. Lovecraft and all of that stuff. So we're kind of just strictly doing this on the show. All right. All right. So how we're going to do this um, podcast review, if you will, this review, is going to be um, based on an article, um, kind of a recap slash review, more of a review of the series. Um, and it's uh, from an a writer from the New York Times. And um, I just read this one and another one because I wanted to kind of start thinking about questions for our own podcast. And we both really enjoyed the show. Um, Obviously, there were some flaws, if you will, because there's no perfect show out there, right? But, um, you know, I wanted to get some other perspectives um, you know, before we started our own podcast and I only <laughs> read two reviews and they both seem to not like the show at all, <laughs> unfortunately. So I said, okay, well, let's, let's lean into that. So I took the one that really did not seem to care for the show and, um, outlined all of her points. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through her points 
and discuss um, basically what she felt was wrong <laughs> in the show. And we're going to, you know, say whether we agree with those or not. And, you know, if we disagree with her, then, you know, we're going to give our own take. And uh, basically, you know, we'll tell you what we enjoyed um, throughout, you know, reading her breakdown of the show. So without further ado, I'll get started. So um, one of the first points uh, that she made was the overall uh, narrative. She said it was muddled and she felt it was um, a sloppy execution. And unfortunately, she didn't really give any examples. She didn't give any examples at all in her article. So I don't know, you know, really where to start with that. Um, in general, I guess like the narrative, I, you know, again, we didn't read the book. So, you know, I don't know if the show was how closely or not closely they felt, you know, they um, followed along with the book. And I didn't get the sense that she had read the book either when... Well, um, and you don't need the... the and you don't need the book, right? You may have re read the book to understand... Because even if you look at this in a vacuum of, I'm watching this television show, this is the story they're telling, was it clear was it coherent? Yeah. That's the question. Yeah. So what do you think? I mean... I felt like I knew what was going on for the most part, right? Um, I can't tell you right off the top of my head if there were parts that really seemed like all over the place or something that just felt out of place. If there was something, then I, I, all I can say is I didn't think it affected my, like number one, my overall enjoyment of the of the show. And two, it didn't affect me in a way that made me just kind of lose, you know, how do I want to say it? It didn't, it didn't make me feel like I, I lost where the story was going in my head, if that makes any sense. Well, so you can jump in there. Yeah, I mean, if that's what you're looking for, if you're thinking like the story kept moving along, I think it, it that happened. I think it, it, yeah. it served that that purpose. But to me, I, I, and I did not read the article you're referencing, but separately, independently, I had my own... Um, concerns about the narrative being muddled um i i felt like i understand where it was going for the most part but it it, it was a situation where you really as a viewer get got lost in the true you know got lost in the in the trees i guess of what was going on because there was all this talk about the book of adam and then all these spells and mm -hmm. i don't think they did a particularly good job of laying out within each episode like what all this means mm -hmm. you know and 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 i guess i would say related to that is i i don't know what the rules of this universe are mm -hmm. you know like if you look at something like uh i'm gonna just throw it out there even though it, it doesn't but let's say i'll say think of something like like buffy for example mm -hmm. uh the the wb buffy not the movie version how the universe, even though it's something easy, it's vampires. Right. And the universe of that was, okay, where's vampires? And the rules of the universe are these vampires can't come out in day. Mm -hmm. You kill them with wooden stakes. Mm -hmm. And this girl is one of a long lineage of vampire slayers. And, mm -hmm. and every time, you know, vampire slayers kill, a new one is brought to light, you know, is awakened as a vampire slayer. Right. And, and pretty much... 
you know, they, they kind of laid out what the universe was. They kind of, it made sense. Mm-hmm. And for this show, I didn't feel like the rules, because it, you know, they had all these things with like Christina and William and then what, what is the name? Titus or whatever the, the Braithwaite father was, her father. Right, Titus. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lot, like the lodge of people right. that were, you know, all the men that were in the tuxedos in the second right. episode, like what they meant, what, what what relationship was that to the lodge in Chicago? Does that mean there's mm-hmm. lodges all over the country? Mm-hmm. Do Does everyone know magic? Do only certain people know yeah. magic? Like, what do you do to do these spells? Like, mm-hmm. what what are they trying to accomplish with this magic? Mm-hmm. Does Does... Everyday normal people, do they see what happens when this magic happens? Or is it just kind of like, you know, only certain people can really see it or be involved in it or have any awareness of it, you Mm -hmm. know? And none of that was really explained to me. So it was kind of hard for me to kind of figure out, well, okay, what are the rules of this? Like, Mm -hmm. what what is is this box that you created, this universe, Mm -hmm. and and how do the characters interact within it? So... Mm -hmm. In that sense, it was muddled to me because as things went along and they were telling, oh, we have to get this spell and then we need, you know, what is this, intention and blood and all this stuff. Like, I don't think they did a good job of laying that stuff out. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's because, um, you know, like I, said, I don't know I don't know how it was in the book, but I don't right. know if that's because you know, Misha Green is a, is a showrunner and she is a showrunner for Underground if it's because it's a this is a, a genre she's not particularly well versed in, mm-hmm. so she doesn't have the experience of okay, this is how we have to lay this out. Because mm-hmm. I think when you're doing a genre stuff like this, like you have to, you really have to think about this stuff long and hard. It's not just okay, this is just a drama with people, mm-hmm. and then you have some you know basic plot that happens and you go along. This is something where when it comes to genre stuff like this, there's very specific. Things and rules and nuances that have to be, you know, depicted and, mm-hmm. and covered. And so I don't think this did a good job of, of really handling that part. Okay. Yeah, um, I agree with you. Um, yeah, about the spells. I guess, yeah, like the whole like lodge and the members and the whole. Yeah, the I guess that first episode kind of, you know, it obviously is what would set the tone and then that kind of like got destroyed, <laughs> you know, for all intents and purposes, it got destroyed, you know, blew up. So, you know, going from there, you know, I, I didn't even know we were going to even see Christina after that, you know, after that first or was it the second episode? No, that, that was the second episode. It was the yeah. second episode, but essentially, yes, very early on in the show, like all of that kind of got destroyed. Right. This whole like these creepy guys in this lodge and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, they could have done a better job at establishing like that world. I don't feel like we got enough. We didn't even get enough of that world. Right. Um, we didn't even get like, yeah, as you said, like, are there other lodges elsewhere or in Chicago? I didn't get this. I don't know. Like I didn't get the sense. I don't know. I guess it was a lodge. It was such a short part of the this, yeah, this that is, episode where ruby is you know the you know christina wants her to come and be like the maid essentially or whatever and serve these men at this lodge and 
I didn't even get I didn't get the sense that that was even a, a lodge per se but yeah I guess that probably was and so yeah it's kind of like well where did this group come from right that's essentially in their own backyard and who else had magic right and like why did that cop have magic that was one of the big questions I had as far as who had magic and whatever like he you know why did that one police guy have magic because obviously the other ones didn't because when they were trying to go into the house like that one guy got to go in but then that main chief cop head of the cop he got blocked because he was magical well yeah whatever that meant because i think yeah. yeah i think the the cop that did go in was like just a regular cop yeah exactly he wasn't, he wasn't a part of like the whole lot and that wasn't thing. clear yeah. that's what i'm saying yeah, like you know it, yeah at one clear. point i'm like are all the cops magical you know what i mean because why not <laughs> right yeah right. I mean, it was, and it was, it was yeah and it's like yeah. they kind of really gave that storyline short shrift yeah okay so i guess we can kind of agree with her point then that yeah this was muddled <laughs> muddled narrative sloppy eh, execution sure i guess and 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 kind of really laying out right where everything what we what we were supposed to know in order to follow along with the narrative, we could say yes. Um, any other things that you wanted to bring up about the narrative? What did you think they did anything well with the narrative? Um. Well, I I think. I mean, as, as far as things doing well, like I think they did a good job of establishing like who the core characters were. Mm-hmm. For the most part, mm-hmm. like the 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 families, like Letty and Ruby, and mm-hmm. then Tick and George, George. and Montrose mm-hmm. and Hippolyta and Diane, mm-hmm. I think they did a good job of laying out who they were as characters and kind of yeah. like what their motivations were and and what to expect from their personalities. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think I think they definitely did a a good job with that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mo- but mostly yeah I I just think the the narrative could have been tightened up mm-hmm. a little bit and and with me not having any experience at all in making TV shows I mean mm-hmm. take it with a grain of salt what my opinion is but I just feel like they really should have really you know they they tend you know they they get together and they break the stories and they say okay this is what we're gonna do for the season but I just felt like. They may have done that, but then at some point kind of lost the mm-hmm. thread of, yeah. you know, because like, like I said, it's, it's like a genre show. So it's kind of like yeah. you really have to like keep attention to these kind of details because you're already talking about magical things right. and, and demons and ghosts and things. So I think it's a more attention has to be spent on on the details of, okay, what, what happened to this character? Okay, what does this mean? You know, mm-hmm. it's like example i could give and you know sorry if i'm going too long on this point but I, it just came to my mind where if you think about like what i've read about shows like let's say a show like a, a sci-fi show like a star trek type show or Battlestar galactica mm-hmm. when they when they after they pitch these shows or even sometimes as part of the pitch mm-hmm. they come up with like a bible for the show so it's mm-hmm. this huge document that just lays out all the rules of the show mm-hmm. so it'll you know outside of just the initial pilot script and 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 treatment and just an oral pitch presentation mm-hmm. they would have this like thick document of what are the rules of this world mm-hmm. so it would be like it would identify 
you know, Star Trek, there's the Federation of Planets. It's mm -hmm. just like the United Nations. There's all these planet com countries, uh, com planets together. Right. Then Starfleet is like the military arm of the Federation of Planets. Mm -hmm. We have this technology where people are able to be instantly transported from a ship in orbit down to space. We people, right. You know, they have all these, like, rules right. of this is the Bible, this is how this universe is. And it's mm -hmm. like... That's what they rely on when they start writing the show. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. this is kind of like the rules we set in place, so let's kind of like try to adhere to that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if there was a Bible set up for Lovecraft yeah. as far as the rules. Because I, I think if there were, I think some of the stuff that, were, that was confusing to us and confusing the viewers may have been uh, laid out a little bit clearer if they had some sort yeah. of overarching document they could refer to. And I to. do think they got to some of those quote-unquote rules later on right in like way later on so i would say that they maybe had them but needed to establish them like day one day two at least right mm -hmm. all right let's move on um the next point is and some of these points too don't worry we can probably like combine some of these things um but uh, the next point was the reinforce. She felt, again, going back to this article, uh, this uh, writer thought that the stereotypes from every <laughs> facet uh, that you could think of were just reinforced um, throughout. So race, gender, queerness, sexuality. Um, she says in here that um, the series seems to want to upend racial and sexual stereotypes by providing nuanced, complex characters, but more often ends up reinforcing those same stereotypes, serving offensive messages about blackness, queerness, sexuality, and gender in tasteless, gratuitous ways. So that's how she kind of felt about, you know, that aspect of it. Um, what did you think? Do you have any thoughts about that off the top? I, I disagree. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I would say, I don't think it reinforced any, any stereotypes of anything. I mean, like what, what stereotypes are you talking about? Like of, of race. Okay. It's a, it's a television show that takes place in 1955 in America with black people mm -hmm. and white people. And it's pretty clear where the, the, the politics lie, so to speak, of the people making this show where mm -hmm. they're depicting truthfully how you know, black people were treated. Yeah. And 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 also, you know, how black people feel about certain things of, about, you know, society in general during mm -hmm. that time. Mm -hmm. Um I don't know, you know, what stereotypes existed with respect to, to gender, mm -hmm. you know, queerness and sexuality. I, I know there's, you know, like that they talk about um you know, there's there's a certain like stereotype of 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 queerness of you know of a gay gay stereotype of like self hating gay man. Mm -hmm. You know, right. I, I know that was something that that's one of the points later. Yeah, that people mm -hmm. talk about. Um, but I would disagree in the sense of I, I'm assuming they're talking about uh, like Montrose. Montrose, yeah, and that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, she brings that up, yeah. And I and I I disagree. It's like he just happens to be one character who's self hating, but his you know, I don't know what he is to him. We'll say lover. Lover. Yeah, I, mean, I was gonna say I don't say lover or oh. I don't know what it, what the what the status of the relationship was. You know, friend with benefit. Who knows? Yeah. You know, who knows? With, like, a lover. Yeah. Um, Sammy. Yeah. 
Well, Sammy's not self-hating. Right, no. Sa- Sammy, you know, free. Sammy may, you know, be closeted. It, it, it gives appearance that he's, he's closeted to, a, to an extent. Right. But people know about him. Yeah. And, you know, and he has all these friends. They had mm-hmm. a little party, a house party they came over and they went to like another, mm-hmm. you know, a uh, club or a party and everyone's free and having fun. And mm-hmm. there was no mm-hmm. stress, no tension. Mm-hmm. So it's like, even if I were to concede, which I don't agree that, that it was a stereotype of Montrose being a self-hating gay man. Mm-hmm. That depiction I felt was balanced by everything else around that. Right, exactly. You I, know, yeah. And even then, like they've only they only really addressed um, Montrose's sexuality in maybe like three episodes. You know, yeah, and the, the very first episode when the guy Tree yeah. alluded to it when and you know the episode when they showed I was just referencing the party, when they, the yeah. party. Mm-hmm. and then I guess I don't know if it's the same episode. Oh, the next episode when like. I guess um, Tick found out right. about his father. So those three episodes they even well, addressed. Well, four too, if you because isn't that the different another episode where will they actually go back into Tulsa? The go back in time wasn't that a different episode? Did yeah, that was, out yeah, because he found out the episode before. Right. Oh yeah. Right. So we could say like it was the younger version. So yeah, four. I, was, yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. So yeah, four the younger. Time, right. Even then, like I don't. I, they addressed it. Uh, it. It was depicted, but I don't know. You mm-hmm. know. I, I can't say, in my opinion, it was, like, stereotypical. Other people might disagree. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I don't think we can really speak on it and whether it was stereotypical or not. But the one thing I thought without throughout this entire article, I apologize. I didn't realize I didn't send this to you. (laughs) Um, But this article, uh, I felt like she just, I was like, you know this was set back in... 1955. 55. Right. Like, I, like, not I feel many people like she, were out. She, <laughs> I, I don't think she talked. Well, she did not talk about it being set back in the time. Like, she did not bring that up at all. And I'm like, you know, this ain't 2020, right? You know, like, this was back in the day. And I feel like a lot of the topics that, um, or her points that she brought up, you know, in regards to the stereotypes, throughout all of the stereotypes, um, and we'll get to a couple of those points in, in a bit, but I was like, you know, the time wouldn't have called for Montrose to be out, out, you know, out amongst friends, sure, you know, like where we see at the party, but like, you know, out to his family, to society during those times, like I, I was very confused as to why she felt and I would just think also for those times, he probably did feel self-hating, right? Like, yeah, did, have we not heard many stories in in the news and the media of, of of gay men and women like feeling like they were just terrible, you know, from older, I would say maybe older, but maybe some of the younger generation. But like, I've heard many stories online, written online, whatever, about people f- hating themselves. So I don't think it was, I don't know, she made it seem like it was far-fetched and just ridiculous. Right. And, then, <laughs> and, I, and I, I think it's perfectly reasonable that that his character could be self-hating to self mm-hmm. respect, some respect. If you know, you know, we, we were able to see his father in, mm-hmm. the, in the 1921 episode mm-hmm. where they went back into Tulsa back yeah, in the time. Yeah, right, and, right. And, and his father was like an abusive person, like, you know, physically and mm-hmm. probably mentally as well. Right. They were black folks at the turn of the 20th century. 
century. Mm-hmm. So they were black folks generally are tended at least back then to be more religious than other folks. Sure. So if you have the fire and brimstone preacher speaking mm-hmm. about the ills of you know, man loving man and all this nonsense. Right. If they start saying that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. like of course he's gonna probably feel some kind of way like I ha I right. I have to like I have to hide who I truly am. Right. So I don't think it's a stretch to say that this character in mm-hmm. nineteen fifty five feels that way. Exactly. The time is to me is everything, like in terms of these stereotypes that she felt they were exhibiting. And sure, in twenty twenty we may be tired, you know, of seeing that um brought up but but you have to also take into account just that this was not set in modern times so um yeah i i mean just going along with i mean we'll we'll talk more later um what we can actually say like yeah she kind of felt you know along that same line of stereotype like the black man sacrifice trope that was kind of one of the later points she brought up um and that's and so that was another she said that sounds ridiculous off the rip like yeah like the sacrificing himself you know she felt like that was um you know she said the series leads to a profound act of reclamation that costs Atticus's life and we get yet another trope the black man as sacrifice by the end of the story it's revealed that magic belongs not to white people but black people and Atticus's death helps ensure that only black people may use it going forward. So that's what she said as in terms of that. Where is she getting that from? I mean, where is she getting from that the black man sacrifice is some like, you know, overused trope in like media? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I suspect that she is basing <laughs> that, at least that particular comment on the Watchmen series. Of, Perhaps you know, Doctor Manhattan mm-hmm. sacrificed himself, you right? Know, because Maybe. that's yeah, the way things had to up. be, and that's just one other show where that happens. Right. Like I think generally that that's a common trope of of the hero sacrificing himself. Yeah, just he's general. the hero, right? Right. Like he's mm-hmm. he's the male hero. He's mm-hmm. the male lead of this show. You mm-hmm. know, there's a male lead and a female lead, right? And him sacrificing himself. Yeah, that happens before. Like, and. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's that's kind of not say good, but if there's a second season of the show, if they decided to proceed with a second season, that also gives the opportunity for you know a female character, mm-hmm. Letty, to, to kind of like take the reins of sure. being the 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 hero of this right. story. Right. I mean, because like even though Journey Smollett or is it Smollett? It's Smollett. Smollett. Mm-hmm. Okay, Smollett. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Journey Smollett um, is the was the bigger name mm-hmm. between her and and Jonathan Majors. Mm-hmm. You know the show was kind of crafted where you know he's kind of presented as the main hero mm-hmm. in, in in a way. And I think it's silly to to even bring up that that point of oh as the you know black male sacrifice mm-hmm. and stuff like no that's that's not even an, an issue I think that's someone just trying to see a problem mm-hmm. create a problem that's not even there you know yeah I didn't understand that either because I was like well he's the hero and he like I don't know like I I didn't have a problem with that and I don't see it as something that's like a huge problem in in TV shows or. Or movies or wherever I you know I don't know what she, like again yeah I don't know what she was basing that on and she didn't like she didn't offer examples a lot of this article FYI there were there were some examples but not a lot it was a lot of just 
talking, right? Like, just like, I didn't like this. I didn't like this, this, this kind of thing. Right. And yes, I know it's Smollett because I just watched some of her Instagram stories. And she says Smollett? Smollett. And I was like, (laughs) yes, now we know. Okay. That sounds too close to smog for me. (laughs) Does it? Like, like, you know, that Lord of the Rings. Oh, Smog. Smog. No. Smog. (laughs) All right. So let's continue on. Um, so this is an interesting one. This is an interesting point that she brought up. And um, let me um, also bring up the part where she talks about this next point. So she felt that um, that the show exploited um, some of the historical references that they brought up um, for the purpose of, you know, uh, how does she say it? She says, uh, yeah, for mining, uh, mining the past and exploiting, uh, exploiting it for the purposes of its convoluted fiction. She says the series shamelessly name drops events and figures from the black, from black history as if crossing off squares on a racial bingo card. Now, this is where she actually does give examples. So she talks first about, you know, Letty's house, it's haunted, it's the ghost of this um, doctor uh, that was experimenting on um, black, uh, on slaves, and um, he wasn't using anesthesia, okay? So there was one particular patient that uh, I think was kind of brought to the forefront. Um, her name was Anarcha. So she had endured surgery. She was one of the ghosts. She had endured surgery without anesthesia, right? So we see that whole episode, you know, they bring them, you know, all of those, you know, ghosts of those patients back to raise him up, to get him out and to like, you know, basically, what do you want to say? Destroy his spirit, like to send his spirit on, I guess. (laughs) I never thought about like what they actually did there. See, and that's another example of them like doing stuff like the narrative that being clear. Clear, yeah. That's one of those situations. That episode was like, okay, what are they trying to do? It's like they're trying to banish all these ghosts. But then I think, yeah, realizing like, oh, this is why, because this main, this doctor ghost, (laughs) you know, this horrible man, is still his ghost is still there, right? So right. they're like, we gotta banish him so that they could set all the others free, right? Or to be, yeah, to go on to but the it, afterworld. If you but will, that, I, I don't even think that was clear, and I, I don't no, think like the clear. way they when they when they do when they do stuff like this, mm-hmm. like the the spells they're using. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's clear. Like, okay, what does this spell do? Wait, mm-hmm. you have to hold hands in this spell. You have to be mm-hmm. in a circle. Like, what is what are the rules? Of this? It was all very muddled. It was all very yeah. muddled together. I mean, because it's like funny you think about like when they were down in that that room, like with the book, and they're trying to put things together and figure, you know, yeah, like, because Tick was trying to decode stuff. I think that got lost on me. I, I really have to say that kind of, like, I remember it, but it almost was still kind of lost. Like, why are we doing this? Exactly. Right. Like, because we, yeah, okay, we got to get these ghosts out of here. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, thinking back to it, yeah, I realized that that whole part kind of, you know, kind of brushed over past me or went over my head. Not really went over head. Like, it's like you knew what they were doing, but you were like, wait, why are you doing this again? Because I guess there were other things that were happening. Because was that like also in that episode where like Ruby became the white woman and she, they were they going back? 
I don't know. Well, they. That, I that feel like the same episode. Okay, it wasn't the same episode, but I feel like they were switching back and forth into something that made me lose, like lose, like why were they doing this? Right. You know what I mean? Um. So she says that was one thing that she felt like they didn't really include that historical reference, which was which is true. Like that's what happened. Like there was this doctor who was experimenting on slaves, right, without anesthesia and doing surgery and whatever. She felt like that wasn't included enough. You know, it was just, it was like a, a plot device, if you will, but it was not really a plot device, but I guess that's maybe what the technical term is, like, but it was just kind of, you know, just there to, like, okay, we got these ghosts here, and even though this is, like, a, a huge, like, historical reference, she felt it was just kind of, like, dropped. Like, we could have went in depth, we could have learned something about these people, right? But instead, like, there, there was no, you know background or anything that you know they didn't go into depth with it same with Emmett Till and she brings up Emmett Till saying like you know again he was just kind of uh there you know like you didn't even really um yeah there were references Emmett Till's funeral references his murder several times but it has no bearing on the actual narrative the series shows no awareness of how dropping in the tragedy for no apparent reason other than to signal social relevance um and she just felt it was a graceless act of sensationalism a jaunt back in time to tulsa also plays an unabashed attempt to get points for relevance and she actually does bring up watchmen here she says like <laughs> watch see watchmen for a more intentional and nuanced incorpor incorporation of black history so she does bring up Watchmen there. But yeah, I mean, she felt like she says this series is a perfect example of how black trauma is used as narrative currency. The real historical figures and events aren't woven into the story in a way that freshly reveals or acknowledges the humanity of the victims or broadens our our understanding of black injuries and generational suffering. Well, here's the thing. I don't think it's the responsibility of the show to do that. Mm -hmm. Like, I have no problem with certain, certain characters and events that are referenced in the show being used primarily as signposts for the viewer as to mm -hmm. inform them as to what, what we're doing here. Like, what, mm -hmm. what, what year is this? What, what year in history? What times in history that says uh, what's going on in the world at, at that time? Mm -hmm. Like, there's no obligation for them to go any deeper i mean you they're doing a show that's set in 1955 in chicago right and i believe emmett Till was from chicago and was killed in 1955 when he went down to mississippi in the south mm -hmm. so i think it's perfectly fine that they reference emmett till i mean yeah i mean they said that he you know they set it up so he was a, a friend of of, of, mm -hmm. of diane mm -hmm. but I think it would be, I don't want to say malpractice, but it would, be, it would be an oversight, I would say, if they didn't like make reference to things during those times. I mean, right. I've seen shows yeah, no, where, just... you know, period shows. Like, I, I you know, recently I watched in, um, over the summer, The Alienist mm -hmm. on TNT, and that takes place in 1896. And, you know, it takes place in New York in 1896. And during that, that show... The show is based on some uh, completely fictional characters, mm -hmm. and the the, the, sh the premise is about them trying to track down like a serial killer. 
but they reference and in the show there are real life figures the right. real historical figures there's jp morgan there's teddy roosevelt mm-hmm. and they reference different uh you know there's like this uh, this gang members that were around during that time as well that they, they referenced famous mm-hmm. gang members mm-hmm. so they referenced people real life people and events that took place in the um you know 19th century right and i it was no problem i had no problem with it. like because mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't have to go in deeper like what i did was when i was watching the show actually like when they were mentioning the name i was like oh oh wait a minute that's interesting i, I didn't know that teddy roosevelt was like the 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 police chief of the police commissioner of, of New York City mm-hmm. like I had no idea I don't know yeah. anything about Teddy Roosevelt yeah right <laughs> but he in the in the show he was the police commissioner of New York City wow. and he was like you know they some of the people didn't really trust him the cops or whatever because mm-hmm. he wasn't really like a cop he was like put in that position appointed so then I went to Wikipedia and I looked it up and I was like oh wow that's interesting and I looked up all the other things yeah other characters and people that were mentioned when they mentioned JP Morgan and some mm-hmm. other people I was like oh wow that's interesting like this show actually took people that were real at that time that the show is set right. and integrated them into the into the narrative yeah that's cool and it was it was cool and and it it made me go do research to find out more about them right and I feel like that's perfectly reasonable for people to do when watching this. Sure. I mean, more obviously, I think more people know more about Emmett Till, right? Than any, than anyone else that was mentioned in this in this uh, particular show. Yeah. But there's still people, as evidenced by one year ago when Watchmen premiered, that didn't know about the Tulsa massacre. Exactly. And they went and did their googles. Right. So, <laughs> I think if you, I think presenting them is enough. Yeah. And, and especially if you if you present them authentically, yeah, that's then the, that's the key. That's present the key. authentically, and then let people do their own research. You don't have to sit up here and do an entire episode about a woman who you know who was experimented on without anesthesia, right. Just to give some more context to the viewer. Like, no, 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 no. Right. It. I think the teaching people and giving them knowledge of certain things is. An, an added incentive of the show, and, yeah. you know, and an added goal, but it's not the main goal. Quite, I mean, the goal of the show was to entertain, right? It's, it's, it's a always, television yeah. show, yeah. And that's the thing about TV and this type of TV, especially like it's to entertain. Um, this isn't a documentary. <laughs> I think I feel like we have to say that about a lot of things these days. Um, this is not a documentary, so giving, as you said, like a full scope, full, you know, you know, incorporating this fully into the narrative, like we're like I, it's like I challenge this this woman, you know, to think about that. You feel like they should have incorporated more into the story. Where pray tell would they have, or how would they have uh, incorporated? such uh, history into the narrative of this monster and magical story. Right. You know, story. and then if they would have done more in context, she probably would have complained saying like, you know, well, basically this like takes away from the story they're trying to tell, you know? Yeah. Like you, exactly. there's only so much of that you can do. I say, introduce whatever you're going to, the characters, give us a little tidbit of it. Mm-hmm. And then you have to rely on the viewers to do more research on their own. If they want to learn more. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then she, you know, she did miss like, you know, she says like the episode eight began with Emmett Till's funeral and references to his murder several times, but was no bearing. I mean, that wasn't the first time I brought, he was in the other episode. 
Right, he was in. He was in the, where they were doing the Ouija board. He was in the Ouija which board, which is so. I still think that is. Oh, like that was obviously that was. You know, <laughs> fictional. The look on your face. You look. You were so pained. You're like, oh man. I mean, what that? What? Fi- no, I mean, obviously this is fictional. Like, you know what I mean? Like the what they made. You know, these kids on this Ouija board and whatnot. You know, this is like made up. Yeah. But him, you know, that Ouija board. Like him asking, "Am I gonna have a good trip?" And it's saying no. And I'm yeah. like, oh. I know it was that. That is. How does she miss that? <laughs> like that hits me. Like well, maybe that's part mm. of her point of exploiting. Exploiting, you know, like mm. there's no evidence that Emmett Till played with a Ouija board before <laughs> he went to Mississippi. Like, yeah, no, we stuff we Sherlock. We know that <laughs> it's a TV show. They wanted to include Emmett Till because it took place in 1955 right. in Chicago, and 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 part of the show and part of the theme of the show is. Not the even though there's monsters out there in the world and magic and people trying to you know doing harm in that way, the biggest villains are the racist white people right. of of the pre civil rights era who are even more dangerous. And that's what they were really dealing with. Right. It's like the 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 people who are the main core cast. Mm-hmm. They've been dealing. They deal with magic and stuff and things are trying to kill them. Emmett Till was killed by racist white people in Mississippi. Right. Like that that's that's the point. The point is yeah. he he it wasn't magic that killed him. It right. wasn't, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. a demon, it wasn't a monster in the woods. Mm-hmm. It was racist white people. So the the part of the show is clearly trying to draw a line from, you know, racist white people mm-hmm. inflicting horrors on oppressed people and then you know, the other horrors that exist with, with the core cast. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was right. quite clear that they were trying to show that. Right. And, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll even give her a little bump here and say that if you want to say that that narrative was not done well, the interconnectedness, you know, trying to make the audience aware of these two different, um, you know, uh, I don't want to say, not tragedies, What's the word I'm looking for? Like, just these two, like, uh, I guess the atrocities that are going on with the magic side versus, like, the real-life side of, you know, racism. You know, yeah, I'll say maybe that needed to be kind of drawn out more, like, to really show, like, yeah, like everybody's going through something, you know. There are these real life races, and then like, and then we got these real life races who are magical. <laughs> it's like even worse. I don't know, but you know what I'm saying. It was like, it was just interesting that, um, yeah, she felt that it was it needed to be part of the story. When it's like, but that wasn't the story that they were telling, and that would have been weird to like fully incorporate. Some of those references, it wouldn't have made sense. It would have yeah. felt so out of place. Like whatever she was trying to get at by, by saying that, you know, it, you know, the, the show should broaden our understanding of black injury slash generational suffering. Mm-hmm. They did that with the core characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they yeah, didn't yeah. need to do that with the other historical figures and events that they depicted. Yeah, the characters of Letty, Atticus, Montrose, George, Hippolyta, and Diane. And Ruby, they experienced all of them mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. Even even Gi and Korea, yeah, they all experienced this—the racism and the suffering that 
you know, that this writer seems to be asking for. Right. You know, they, 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 that's yeah. already handled by them. Yeah. You don't need to say, okay, now let's talk about the historical people mm-hmm. who aren't even part of the show. They're just signposts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So moving forward, we've kind of already talked about this. Um, the next topic was about, you know, her thoughts on um, the gay slash transgender tropes um, that she felt, again, were not, you know, basically handled well. Um, she felt, you know, with Montrose, we kind of already talked about him as self, you know, she felt he was, you know, the typical self-hating gay man trope. Um, but then also she talked about, um, him, you know, felt, felt like it was, um, the typical kind of like, you know, she said it like the show conflated queerness with villainy. And I guess she was kind of getting at him being, not just self-hating, but also, you know, like he was beating Montrose when he was, or not Montrose, Montrose was beating Tick when he was younger because he was going through his own, you know, identity crisis and whatnot. And, you know, obviously Tick was very upset about that aspect when he found out Montrose was gay. So, you know, he kind of, you know, was upset that, you know, uh, he took all these beatings and stuff and, and he felt like, who you know, you were trying to make me into a man, you know. So those conversations, um, I think she was getting at were, you know, part of just like stereotypes, you know, stereotypical well, conversations. I, I don't think um, it was, it, it was, it wasn't all because of Montrose being gay. It's also because you know, Montrose himself was abused, you know, yeah. born by his father. And we Yeah, and it was we, more of that. And yeah. we know that's a cycle, regardless of, of sexuality, that, that that's a cycle that mm-hmm. sometimes happens where someone is abused and they turn around and do the abusing themselves later on in life. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you can place that on on some stereotype of him being self hating gay man. Right. And and also part of Montrose's thing was, I mean, let's be quite clear Montrose was um I don't know how old he was supposed to be um at that point and because when he was in 1955 oh right yeah when um he was mm-hmm. he's at least 30 he was probably in his 50s at that point I think because if 1921 was a Tulsa massacre and I think he was like in high school around high yeah, school he, age yeah you know, 14 15 mm-hmm. maybe so at that point he's probably like 50 years old right mm-hmm. and he was a black man in 1955, around 50 years old. He experienced a lot of racism mm-hmm. and 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 abuse at the hands of an, an oppressive, you know, like regime that controls this country. Mm-hmm. So part of it was like him trying to toughen up Tick mm-hmm. and saying, "Hey, you know." I, I I've been abused and beaten down by this system, and you know right. you have to be strong. Right. I think that's part of it. You know, so I, I don't I can't say a hundred percent it's 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 him being a villain. It's because he was self hating gay man. It's more mm-hmm. like well maybe it was twenty percent that, and maybe another twenty percent was because he was a black man who was abused by the system, and then maybe another twenty percent because he was abused by his father. Maybe that's just his personality trait. Maybe he's upset at. You know, he can live the life that he wanted to live. Who knows, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. Yeah, she says, queerness often still comes with a stigma in the black community. So not only do we need stories with nuanced portrayals of blackness, but of queer blackness as well. Yet in its attempts to do this, Lovecraft 
um, ends up conflating queerness with villainy. And that's when she discusses Tick and his father. Um, then she goes on to discuss Montrose and the, um, the character of Montrose murdering Yahima, the indigenous two-spirit. Um, she does say that Misha Green um, talked about this and admitted there were pro problems with this subplot. Um, so I guess she, the writer kind of partially absolved her of that because she spoke about it. Um, but yeah. Misha Green admits that the, she said, I wanted to show the uncomfortable truth that oppressed folks can also be oppressors. Speaking of Montrose yeah. with the murder. And she says, I didn't examine or unpack the moment slash portrayal of Yahima as thoroughly as I should have. It's a story point worth making, but I failed in the way I chose to make it. And and I I, I can see that people have that that criticism about mm -hmm. uh, Montrose killing her. My yeah. my concern with that particular part of the show wasn't necessarily of you know reinforcing stereotypes or anything like that. It was more of it was just very sloppy crafting or writing of this show. Mm -hmm. It's like it was done for for as shock value because mm -hmm. it's like, whoa, he killed her. What was that about? Mm -hmm. And then they pretty much kind of just dropped it. Left it. It right? was like an unresolved thread to like all the different storylines that went on. Yeah. I mean, they 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 brought it up in the next episode and like Tick is like, what did you do? And he's like, I had to kill her. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I had to kill her, boy. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I had to kill her. And, 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 you, you like that? You like that, that impression? That was quite an impression. <laughs> I had to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, but it wasn't, there was no repercussions. Like, I didn't have a problem with her. Mm -hmm. the, I just wish, okay, you could have teased this out a little bit more. Yeah. Like, she could have yeah. gone another couple of episodes and been involved in what's going on at the character mm -hmm. before she was killed, you know? Right. If if you were going to kill her, it was kind of like okay, she was basically here, and then boom, at the end, she gets killed, and and for what? Like it really, because there there seemed to be no repercussions for Montrose. Like they were mad about it for like one episode, not even a full episode. Like mm -hmm. Tick was like mad about it for like you know one particular like scene, mm -hmm. and then that was it. Like the rest of the episode, they weren't even mentioned her again. Yeah, and then it changed the way they looked at Montrose. It wasn't like. Yeah. He killed her, and then the rest of the episode, like they just had, they felt some kind of way about him. They didn't trust him. It it, it, it didn't um, change the way they dealt with him in well, any you way. No, it was mainly. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I felt like that that happened because he had read that book. He had that. What was that book that he had? Which is now I can't remember. See, it beats me because. But remember, <laughs> he had some knowledge that they needed, right? And he was trying to part. I thought part of the murder was he was just trying to like cover it up. Well, he burned that book. Right, he, he burned, burned that he, book. He burned the book. And he was just basically trying to just cover up. Like yeah, you know, he didn't she... want them to get involved. He didn't want them to go right. down this hole. Exactly. Right? So he he kills Yahima, and you know, but they basically see. It's like I can't remember the situation, but they needed him. So that is that's kind of what messed up them really having any like angst if you will or whatever uh, you know towards him for doing that they needed him he had translated that book he still remembered everything which is like of course you remember everything <laughs> so you know so they had that was the key and that was the way to keep him involved 
You know what I mean? Well, right. But so. but none but none of that was really like it was wasn't addressed. It was just it was given the storyline was given a short shrift. They kind of just dropped it and never brought it up again. And mm-hmm. I feel like that happened a couple of times throughout the show where they kind of talked about something and then kind of mm-hmm. it just kind of just disappeared, just kind of wafted yeah. away, you know? I kind of wish, you know, like if I would have done that better, like I probably wouldn't even had Yahima like really be a part. Like I wish that, um, what was I going to say? I wish that. They had, you know, they found Yahima. She's on the desk. You know, she's well, she was like a skeleton, right? And they take the script or whatever, the scroll that she was holding. And, like, she came to life. And I don't know. I wish, like, she had just not really been a part of their narrative after that. Of, the you know, the story after that. Like, because they just didn't. It just didn't really have anything for her. You know what I mean? I don't know if there was anything, like, what else were they going to get out of her after after they left and took her back to their home? Because, I see, that's maybe where the narrative dropped so much, where I was just kind of like, well, what were you going to, what were they supposed to be essentially using her for after they left and took her back to Letty's house? You know what I mean? What what was the point? What, yeah, I mean, but didn't she help them translate some stuff? Like, yeah, but I thought that was done. But they could have. I mean, who don't they could have used her more? Like mm. I, we don't know. Yeah, like, I, I, well, I don't think it was. It was clearly. Uh, I don't think it was written well enough for us to, as a viewer to, to yeah, understand okay. like what her purpose was. Yeah, but moving on. Um, so we kind of talked about. Oh well, we didn't talk about. Um, yeah, so there was another part of her thing where she felt, of this article rather, where she felt like Ruby's character, she calls this part, um, queer people being punished. And this is due to Ruby's character getting involved with Christina, the villain. And she also tags on, tacks on colorism and how we have the dark skinned sister choosing sides with the enemy while the white skin, the light skinned sister goes on to be the hero. So that was kind of like a two part like thing right there where I didn't really understand. She says this is a broader trend of queer people being punished in the world of Lovecraft. Ruby, her, uh, gets involved with the show's villain um, a white woman who occasionally uses magic to appear as a man. And then she talks about like the race aspect of Ruby being the darker sister. And, you know, she ends up being, you know, the one that chooses the enemy and is killed at the end. And then the light skinned sister goes on. She takes center stage and is heroic. Rubbish. So, yeah, she feels like. Yeah, the whole complex, the complex relationship. She does feel that Christina and Ruby could have been a complex relationship worth exploring, um, exploring the dynamic between race, power, and sex. But it ends up being a little more than a gory sideshow that just perpetuates the colorism in fiction. Rubbish. <laughs> no, it's. I mean, there's that's, that's, that's a little, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. But 
I, I I'll start off with the the colorism point, where <sighs> this is a situation where someone's like doing too much. <laughs> Journey Smollett is the only light skinned character mm-hmm. in in the main core cast. Right, she's pr- pretty much the only other light skinned person besides her is is Sammy, the bar owner. Right. Everyone is either, you know, dark brown skinned or or, or mid, yeah. you know, mid brown type color, right? Right. Like, so one character is evil, or not evil, mm-hmm. but one character does something like quote unquote bad, mm-hmm. and then everyone else is on the side of good. Good, right. But then you pick out, well, Journey's the she's the just the light skinned hero mm-hmm. and she's on the side of light and goodness and yeah. and dark skinned Ruby's on the side of like no, that's that's utterly ridiculous. You know what? It's funny because this is like I think, you know, part of the stereotypical stuff that she she is pulling out of the show. And you know what I want to say is stereotypical? Bringing up this whole light versus dark thing. <laughs> like she's tired of seeing this in TV. Well I'm tired of people talking about it. You know what I mean? Like, Cause I, I, I don't know how much... I, I want to be, like, real with people and say, look, if you are... To me, to me, we... If you're black, if you identify as black, you're black. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I just don't know how long we as black people are going to just blame black or I'm sorry light-skinned black people for any role that they take because my 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 question is do you want them to just not take any roles like you know you because that's always the thing it's like okay want more dark-skinned people on our tv screens true absolutely bring them on bring them on but to continue to then write articles and bring up like, oh, here we go again with the light versus dark. I'm like, who who is perpetuating that? Like, we're just, you know, it's like a cycle almost. It's like, it's like we keep talking about it, talking about it. And I'm just like, what, what, how, it's not really the actresses or actors' faults. I feel like if you're going to blame anybody, blame the casting. Right, if if that's something to blame, but I'm just kind of like, if light skinned people, well, it's, it's what she, are they supposed to do? Well, <laughs> I just like don't you're, know. You're, 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 it sounds like you're speaking to a broader complaint or criticism of people, but specifically, but that's where she's going in this article. Well, though. she, but and, and I don't think she's saying that like the 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 casting journey shouldn't have been uh, a light, no. or the Letitia's character shouldn't have been light skinned. I just think she's just like the way it was written is. Like I feel like yes, yeah. I guess I get your point now as I as I talk it through. If this way this show was written, instead of Letitia, you know, or instead of of Journey Smollett, they could have had. I don't know. Let's say, let's be throwing out. Let's say Kiki Palmer, for example. I can't think of anybody else. But Kiki Palmer is not as light as Journey. Smiling, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Let's say Kiki Palmer played the role of Letty. Yeah. And if and it was written and performed the exact same way. Yeah. Will she have the same criticism? Right. You know, it's right. like the the, the way the show the yeah. show wasn't written to benefit Journey Smollett as a light skinned woman. You know, 
it, it, the show was written as it was. Like Misha Green, you know, worked on this show and developed this show with Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams, and she thought to herself, "Hey, you know what? Journey Smiler would be great for this because I worked with her on Underground." Right. So she decided she wanted to work with this actress and decided to cast her in this. Like it has nothing to do with, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, some kind of agenda by the writers. To but depict, that's the uh, thing, Stephen, is that people do feel like there is agenda when you or an agenda. You know, when you see light skinned actresses getting these like, you know, these roles where where they oh they're like the pretty one and they get the boyfriend and all this stuff. You know, I mean, you can kind of see how in this show it worked out. Like, okay. Tick and Letty work out right. I know it doesn't happen. I know it it does happen. (laughs) She gets Christina. You know what I mean? Like I see where people I see where she's going with it. But I'm also kind of like, I'm I guess I'm just tired of it. I'm like, we all black. We just all black people. That's just I just want us to be like, hey, let's be grateful. We got a whole black show. I think we just need to like not Paint it with a with a broad brush when 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 certain casting things happen mm-hmm. and certain things happen in shows and movies where our reflexive act uh, our reflex uh, reflex reflexive mm-hmm. <laughs> response is oh see you know light skin hero dark skin like villain situation mm-hmm. because it's I just feel like sometimes it's like that's just the way the casting like the casting and the writing sometimes are independent of each other. Yeah, and this is another like weird reference that's out of the blue. But I was, I was just thinking about the Force Awakens when mm-hmm. uh, John Boyega was cast as Finn mm-hmm. in in the Star Wars trilogy, and people complained about Finn's character. Mm-hmm. And this, I'm going to the the first movie, not the other two movies. Yeah, uh, <laughs> oh, he didn't get to do anything, and right. this, that, and the other, and he was just a. You know, he just ran around and yelled, and you know that's how they do. They just they try to minimize the black man, and that's what people are saying. Like, oh, we're trying to, you know, you know, they're not really giving the black man anything to do. And I'm like, you know, this is like Star Wars, like multi billion dollar franchise for right. Disney. They auditioned and tested a number of people for mm-hmm. that particular role. Right. Just about everyone else they tested for that role or auditioned or spoke to was white. Mm. It just happened to go to a black guy. Mm-hmm. So if Jesse Plemons, who was up for the role as well, if Jesse Plemons would have gotten that role as Finn, he would have been doing the same thing as John Boyega. Mm-hmm. They didn't mm-hmm. like change how they're gonna do like how they were gonna write this character because they got a black guy. Oh, you got a black guy, so now we're gonna have to minimize him. In, a, in The Force Awakens and make him do less stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, no, it would have been the same thing. So sometimes it just so happens that that's how it comes across. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. you know, because someone's like a certain race or a certain complexion, that their character is depicted a certain way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just coincidence because lots of times the casting and writing are independent of each other and it's right. just it just so happens this way. And this is a situation where that, it just happened to be like that. And even then, I even dispute the fact that Ruby was like evil or a bad person. Like she was. No, I don't think she's saying that. She's saying what though? She's saying that this is um, Ruby. Ruby is chooses the enemy. Yeah, like essentially, like she gets. She's the one. The dark skinned sister is the one that gets involved with the villain, right? 
and she's the one that basically gets the short inside short side of the stick. She's and and is killed. But you see, know, that's like the and thing. And I think that writers have taken a very simplistic approach by looking mm-hmm. at like, oh, it's just a dark skinned woman, and she she sidled up with the enemy to like you know go against her sister. When you think about it, well, you have to look at Ruby's character from the moment she's introduced mm-hmm. throughout the show. Yeah, like the way she talks to Letty in the first episode, how they interacted. You could tell there was their tension there. There was mm-hmm. there was some bitterness and some jealousy there. Mm-hmm. There's some issues with, you know, the way their you know, when their mother died and mm-hmm. Letty didn't come to the funeral. Right. And Letty's asking for money, never pays it back. Ask her ask their brother for money. Never right. pays it back. And if you look at all the things about, you know, Ruby's character up until that point, mm-hmm. it makes sense from the her the her character's motivation is to kind of like side up because like she got the taste of the good life when she was taking the potion right and who gave her that good life that was you know Christine William right. Will 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 Stina I guess that gave that gave her the good like someone she's there was someone who treated her nicely and appreciated her whether it was mm-hmm. William or later Christina she was treated. A certain way that she felt like she wasn't treated by her own sister Mm -hmm. so it makes sense that her motivations would take her in that direction Mm -hmm. it has nothing to do with her being dark-skinned like that's that's someone who is just projecting their own biases and their own you know preconceived notions of race and colorism onto that character and that's what i'm kind of getting at i'm just i i guess like i i am I, I just wonder how much longer <laughs> we will continue to have this this divide, right? This this whole back and forth uh, about color and and yeah. So it was just kind of like, yeah, I couldn't even entertain that point in her article because I'm just kind of like, yeah. And I've seen it online too. I mean, I've seen it. You know, there were definitely people who who felt the same way. That, yeah, like, you know, why, you know, black, you know, why the dark skinned sister have to be like with the enemy and like she's th- and she's throwing, you know, I think I told you like, yeah, there were some message boards I saw where people were like, yeah, like why she have to be the one that she kind of throws her life away with, you know, living in this, this house and she ain't got no job and she ain't got no money and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and there, but there are people who were, you know, saying, no, she made these decisions herself though. Like, it's not like she was forced to stay there. And, you know, I mean, there were definitely people, like, siding on Ruby's side that this was not just, you know, oh, because she's darker. She's got this, like, terrible life now, (laughs) right? But it's still out there. A lot of people feel that way. And I'm just kind of like, ugh. Can we just enjoy that this is like a black show? Can we just <laughs> like all, all get black along? people. Yeah. Like some sometimes I get it. Yes, we do need more representations across our our colorful spectrum of black people on TV. Absolutely. I'm not saying that everybody should be light skinned. <laughs> but yes, like sometimes too, I'm just like, dang, can we enjoy the show though? Like, can't we enjoy just just have a little bit of enjoyment and not immediately like why the light skin sister, da, 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 you know, why the dark skin, blah, 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 blah. You know, it just seems to always, always, always come up. And it's like you said, like, it's it's just not like that yeah. all the time, right? Okay. This is getting long. Are we over an hour? 
Um, the last two, well, like three points, let, let me just read them. And um, you can talk about whatever you want to talk about. So um, one point was sh this article, uh, this author felt like, or writer felt like sexuality was viewed very pur puritanical, like from the Puritans, <laughs> puritanical. And she brings up, you know, the focus on Tick and Letty's virginity. Um, the second point was um, the typical, stereotypical, deceitful Asian seductress trope with Gia. And the last thing she brought up was racial revenge fantasy. Um, she felt, um, you know, like basically there were, you know, the racists were beaten with bats and raped with stilettos and slave owners were resurrect resurrected with their flesh to be torn out. And she questioned whether black people actually enjoyed this and was this supposed to be some sort of fictional reparations so those are the last three points that she brought up <laughs> that's a lot she brought up a lot <laughs> and it was like okay i don't know what you want to tackle well i would say the whole sexuality overall is viewed as puritanical i feel like uh on on like Jalen and Jacoby is like they keep it moving. They keep yeah, it moving. Yeah. Ah. Like, yeah. I, I just feel like that is like I don't even know what she's even trying to say. Like, I mean, in that sense of yeah. Tick and Letty uh, Tick. Tick and Letty's virginity, like, yeah, okay, they're they're vir they said they were virgins before they had sex. They told the person they were about to have sex was, Hey, I I'm a I'm a virgin. I don't know what about it was depicted as being pure or yeah, she says at. here uh, really quickly. The show was strangely puritanical view of sexual sexuality overall, or has. I, I read that whole wrong, a whole line wrong. She says, "quote The show has a strangely puritanical, puritanical. I'm saying that so wrong. I feel like puritanical view of sexuality overall. It fixates on how Atticus and Letty lose their virginity at various points, equating their relative inexperience with purity." Okay. And then she goes on to talk and that's about. Not, and that's not. I don't know why that's like a. That's not a, a an unheard of or unexpected point in 1955. Yeah, that's that's again. <laughs> that's what I said. Like time, the reference. I felt like she just missed that it was to take place in 1955. Okay, so what do you think about the deceitful Asian subjectus trope? First of all, see now, <laughs> I will say she didn't do her research. Because Gia was a a kumiho, right? I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Which is like a mythical Korean creature. Like mm -hmm. basically, all you had to do was to Google that, and mm -hmm. you and you have found the Wikipedia page that talks about the creature that that has appeared in, in Korean folk tales, and also you know part of Chinese uh, folk tales. And it's, essentially, it's like a you know, a kumiho is supposed to be a fox that turns into this, this you know, transforms into this uh, other being, mm -hmm. and sometimes it, it some, sometimes it's turned into a a beautiful woman who sets out to to seduce boys, eats their liver or their heart. It's kind of like mm. you know, it, it, it's 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 this. It's, it's this character of like, hey, you know, like the like the siren of the sea. You know, it, yeah. it draws like the men, the, sh the men on the ship to right. to crash their ships on on you know on on land or whatever it is right. to shipwreck. And it's like the same thing. It's like this is based off a mythical creature that has been yeah. you know, in in Asian East Asian folklore. Let me say this: 
uh, from this from the article. Gia, who was molested by her father when she was a girl, and curiously defends her stepfather's love for her, reasoning the abuse away. Why are you speaking so low? Because that was in parentheses. So I was trying to emphasize that. Um, she said that she's possessed by a nine-tailed fox spirit and can only regain humanity by sleeping with 100 men and killing each of, each of them with tentacle-like tails that emerge from her body. Little more than a plot device for foreshadowing Atticus's death, she is a classic dragon lady, the deceitful Asian seductress. Her sympathetic backstory does little to save her from her tentacle vagina and its loaded symbolism, nor us from the sight of it. It's she, based she on didn't an like actual, that. <laughs> it's based on an actual folklore though. It's even the same name, Kumiho. Yeah. It's it's based on something she, in the past. That's just she like didn't say, like that. That's just like <laughs> that to me that's just like saying, you know, if, if, if someone wrote a story and it and involved and included like a werewolf and then right. someone saying like, Well, I don't like how, you know, these wolves <laughs> are being depicted as as being evil and come out at you know on full moon, it's like, a werewolf. It's a werewolf. Like that's that's the that's how it's been de- depicted in folklore and in stories. Like they're based. Her character is based on actual fictional folklore characters. Like it's kind of ridiculous. It's not like they invented like something. It's not like she was like a, a non mythical, mystical, magical uh, creature. Mm-hmm. She was just a regular woman. A regular Asian woman who decided to seduce some guy and then cut his head off. Yeah, if you're talking about that, I would say, yeah, that's kind of like, you know, a trope. And that's really, mm-hmm. you know, not very, not not a good idea to include. But no, this is based on a mythical creature. So she is definitely, she is doing a Mr. Fantastic reach right there. <laughs> Mr. Fantastic reach, my goodness. Um, And, and I just have to say... Her, I mean, she brought she brought up like all these points in this article, and I'm like, dang, Gia's story was like probably some of the best storytelling I've ever watched in my life. Like, her, her episode was fantastic. Yeah, her episode was really good. Like, it was so well done. It was so well shot. Like, it, gorgeous. I like, know. oh, to me, it was like a movie. It was wonderful. That was one of the better episodes, and it was it did. Yeah, and it was also it. It was also so good. Like, it kind of brought back the show to being better. Because yeah. I'm I, I on record as saying that the very first episode was, like, awesome. Like, the first episode was, like, Yeah, it was fire. really good. It, yeah, was it was really, really good. Really good. Mm-hmm. And and based on, like, my type of shows that I watch, the genre, I was like, this is, like, right up my alley. You got magic. You got monsters. I'm like, cool. This is, like, stuff that I like. Yeah. But the second and third episodes... The second episode was not good at all. Like, I did not like the second episode. Mm-hmm. Three was, like, the Indiana Jones-type episode. Right. That was slightly better. Yeah. Four was the Haunted House episode. That was slightly better than the previous episode. I like the very end of it. <laughs> she, like, banished all the ghosts. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, like... That was powerful. That was great acting, too. But then... So it was like a mixed bag, you know. It was pretty mm-hmm. much like a mixed bag until we got back to, or or not got back to, until we went to uh, Gia's episode mm-hmm. in in Korea. Meet me in Daegu, yeah. episode six, and yeah. So that was like the kind of like okay, we got some up and down episodes, blah blah blah, mm-hmm. and then we get to that episode. It's like whoa, okay, this is good. Like this is like. This it was is a the, very full, complete. It was a full, complete, robust mm-hmm. episode. Yeah, it, like on on like the acting, the writing, 
and you know way it was shot. Yeah, that was like they, they, th- that's the best the show has to offer. Like we, it needed more episodes like that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and I don't know. Like I mean, she got through this whole article without like giving that too. Like, I mean, that's what she got from it, I guess. You know what I mean? Like that, oh, this is just a typical dragon lady, like, trope. Right. And, as and I think, I'm like, damn. It's like, I'll be honest. <laughs> going in, we watched the episode. I didn't know what a Kumio was. You yeah, know? I didn't know. It's yeah. not something I know of, but then I, I did recognize it because I watched, like, a episode at that show Love, Death, and Robots and they had like the same character. Mm. Same type of character. Like it was like a fox that like seduced people. Okay. So in that respect, oh, I recognize what it was. Right. But if I, if I didn't know what it was, like I would have Googled, like just, I would have just, just assumed it was something the writers made up just to like, mm-hmm. you know, put this stereotype out there that the, the Asian seductress. Mm-hmm. And I think as a writer who's going to write a commentary on this for the New York Times of all publications, would have at least taken the time to Google what a Kumio was to see if it was real mm-hmm. before she would say something like that. Because if she would have Googled it and saw that it was real, then she would have realized, oh, yeah, okay, so the whole thing isn't really a trope. It's based on an actual yeah. character. Right. Right. I mean... I guess it comes off as being kind of looking like that, but it was just so much more than that, though. I felt like, yeah, I don't know. It was, I just was like, how could you just gloss over that entire episode? It was so well done. It was just so good. Like, yeah, that's unfortunate for her to say that about that episode. (laughs) <laughs> or well about Gia in, in general but the last thing was about the racial revan- revenge fantasy do you, do you feel like there was a lot of that going on like no. people trying to get back at their racist people counterparts not uh, counterparts so are you talking about the characters or are you talking about like just racist, viewers just, that oh, they enjoy watching yeah that? like she does ask in here does do did, she said are black viewers meant to enjoy this yeah like are we supposed to take this as some sort of fictional act of reparations? I don't think there's anyone. I mean, I'm, I'm involved in a couple of discussion groups and, mm-hmm. and, and talk with people on Twitter and Facebook. I don't think there anyone brought up like how they enjoyed that. Like, yeah, man, stick that stiletto up his booty yeah, hole. Yeah, no one's no like one's, out there no saying that. No one said that. Like, I don't think there was anyone who felt like who enjoyed that type of abuse. Like, outside of the normal, like, yeah, yeah, our heroes got to fight back at, like, someone who was, like, really hurting them, you know, like, in that situation. But I don't think it was, like, people enjoy, like, yeah, this is, like, good. Yeah, just just destroy him. You know, yeah, I, don't, I don't think but, it was like yeah, that at all. I don't think so either. Let me um, read you her conclusion. So she says, but this conclusion serves to limit the agency of black heroes. She spends, or I'm sorry, they spend 10 episodes being manipulated behind the scenes by white people with magic and at every chance opt to use the same means used against them to fight back. They lack the imagination to do anything other than repeat the actions of their enemies. What does that mean? The ultimate irony at the end of, uh, I'm sorry, I cannot read. The ultimate irony at the end is that what these characters achieve is literal magical Negro status. Um, A final embrace of stereotypes from a show that aspires to append them. I can't read the rest of this because it got cut off. (laughs) Sorry. But yeah, I'm like, 
I told you it was quite an article. I mean, I was just really like, wow, like, I don't know. I, I almost want to say, I don't know what she watched, right? I don't, I don't know. Like, I just didn't overall feel the same way as this author, which is fine. She can have her own opinion about it. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, the magical Negro status. Like I said, I think people are just projecting their own bias, biases <laughs> and pre- preconceived notions about things. I mean, her onto this show. I mean, mm. the show is by no means perfect, as we've outlined right, in, in yeah, the past definitely. You know, 80 minutes. It's, it's by no means a perfect show, but there, I, I feel like you have to be, you should be honest with your critique, you know, and, and fair, if you're going to critique it, mm-hmm. don't, don't, you know, do like this, the, the, the minimalist amount of research and not know that Kumio is like an actual creature. Like, don't like, you know, do the reflexive hot take of, you know, it was, it was this white skin, good or light skin, good black skin, bad or mm-hmm. something like, like, no, like, don't do a little bit more research into that. You know, it's like, because apparently, you know, this woman, a writer, had watched all ten, 10 episodes, right? right? So they watched all 10 episodes. It's like, it was, it, it sounds as if, like, they, like, they wrote the review after, like, five episodes, you know? Because, yeah, like... Like, you didn't mm-hmm. read... Because if you, if you watch the whole thing, and if you watch it a second time, because there's a lot of stuff you can miss, if you watch it a second time, mm-hmm. and then you write something like that, then I would think that you know, you would have a better grasp of what actually happened and you would understand mm-hmm. some of those points that you that she made would, you know, disappear. They would become moot because yeah. it's like, oh yeah, you know, this was actually explained in this episode. Oh, and this makes sense that this character did this. Mm-hmm. And I just think she was just looking to f- I think and I think I said earlier, she's probably doing too much comparison to Watchmen. She even name checked Watchmen. Yeah. You know? Right. And it's right. like, yeah, but this ain't Watchmen. It's a different right. show, it's different, different genre. Show. It has, it has different goals. And it's, and it's made by different people, you know? And mm-hmm. it's like, with in Watchmen, and that's I think that's another thing about, you know, I was saying about Misha Green, and maybe she's not as well-versed in this type of show, genre show, mm-hmm. and all this magic and stuff and these right. rules, versus someone like Damon Lindelof, who was... Uh, you know, showrunner for Watchmen because he did, mm-hmm. he did Lost, and he did um, the Leftovers. Mm-hmm. But I'm whatever lessons he learned in Lost, as mm-hmm. in like there's a lot of stuff that people complain a lot about Lost. Yeah, and he was able to fix them. He mm-hmm. fixed them for Leftovers. He fixed them for for Watchmen. And it's like because he had that experience of doing like a show like Lost, where it's just weird sci-fi stuff you know mystical stuff you know spiritual things right so he was able to take those lessons and do that here so i think that you know for for this show it it has like the potential to get better right absolutely like misha green's gonna learn from and it seems like she's pretty open to that she's expressed yeah things that she's you know would have done differently right things that she thinks are are messed up so right I, i i i think the criticism of the writer is really just unfair in the grand context of, of, of everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. As we said before, it just seemed like I, I get the sense like overall, I, 
she was writing this from a very modern day perspective, right? Uh, bringing up just all of the stereotypes. I'm just kind of like, well, they weren't really, I won't say they, were, they weren't stereotypes back in 1955, but, you know, some of those things, that's just, that's how they were in that time, you know? Um, in regards to like Montrose and coming out and, you know, even how Tick was raised by Montrose, you know, um, just, a, you know, a lot of things we've already brought up. Um, and I was going to say something, oh, in general, to wrap up for myself, um, you know, I'm a really light TV watcher. And when I say that, like, I mean, I really, I don't go into any TV show with any expectations, really. I don't, because I just don't, I, I just don't get into TV like that. It's mainly why, like, I've, I will never be, like, a, a fangirl of any sort of, like, you know, I, I won't, I, I won't be a Star Wars fangirl. I'm not, a, and as much as I love Marvel movies, like, I'm not, I'm still not a fangirl. Like, you know what I mean? I'm not, like, I don't go into anything with high expectation or expecting certain characters to be like this or to do this or whatever. So for me overall with this show, I thought it was good. I don't, I don't like horror like at all. <laughs> I was very, you know, I didn't want to watch this, but um, yeah, but I don't like horror and I actually really enjoyed this um, despite some of the gore and the, you know, scary stuff, stuff I found scary. Um, but yeah, I, I, I didn't have high expectation. I didn't know what to expect and you know, even as we went along in the show, like I, I was just very open. I feel like these days, and maybe it's because of social media, I blame everything on social media, but no, I think these days people have such high expectations of stuff and I don't know where it comes from. Cause I'm like, well, no one knows anything about this, right? Like who knows who's read Lovecraft Country? I mean, I, I'm sure people have read Lovecraft Country, but, but I'm just saying like, I feel like when I look at Twitter, for instance, and see tweets, I feel like a lot of people have probably not read this book, right? I don't get that sense. People are just in, you know, they're just talking about it and they don't seem like they are referencing the book or referencing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I feel like a lot of people haven't, they don't have any backstory on this. So I'm always like, you know, reading this article, I'm just kind of like, man, like, I feel like you had a lot of expectations for this. And I'm just like, where did that come from? I just watched, I, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I just don't have expectations. I just want to see things as they come. I want to just ex show me what you got. That's what I feel like with movies and TV. Show me what you have. And then I'll think about it later. I don't want to go into anything with like, oh my God, I hope they do this. And I hope they don't, I hope they don't get too like critical about sexuality or I hope they don't, you know what I mean? I just don't do that. I just feel like, a, but I feel like a lot of people get very critical Yeah, I and think very like, they just have expectations of stuff. Yeah, but you're in the minority. I think <laughs> I think most people do have expectations. I mean, the, the extent of their expectations varies from person to person. Sure. But if, if, you know, people get wrapped up, especially now, and we, we're getting what appears to be like a mini renaissance of black creatives able sure. to to produce prestige products mm, right. as far as movies and television, where people looked at when this was announced two and a half years ago, mm -hmm. when the show was announced, Misha Green, creator mm -hmm. of Underground, Jordan Peele, writer-director yeah. of Get Out and Us, J.J. Yeah. Abrams, yeah. you know... When you so see, people, when, have those, people have those expectations. Yeah. Right? And I think, unfortunately, 
their, those expectations were unfortunately raised unfairly by Watchmen because the Watchmen was really good, right? And people just be like, "Oh, this is gonna be just like Watchmen." Yeah, you know, wa- it's gonna be comparison. just as good as Watchmen. Yeah, I mean, and that, and especially you know, both of them tackle Tulsa, right? Uh, in their own in their own uh, specific way, right? And it's like, no, this isn't Watchmen. It's like it's an it's a show. It's a mm-hmm. it's a good show. It's not a perfect show. It's a good show. Yeah. I mean, overall, Watchmen might have be you know objectively a quote unquote better show, mm-hmm. but. I found myself enjoying Lovecraft more just because, like I said, this this type of stuff is right up my alley. Like, right. you know, I like this kind of stuff. I was a fan of like Buffy mm-hmm. and Grimm mm-hmm. and Angel and stuff like that. So like this is the kind of stuff that's like, oh yeah, I'm really into this stuff. So I mm-hmm. personally might enjoy Lovecraft a little bit more. Right. So people are going to have expectations. That's all I'm saying. So it's yeah. just a matter of don't get your hopes up too high. Enjoy yeah. it for what it is because right. I think this, the quality of shows and television we have now are definitely better than we had 20, 25 years ago. At sure. least with respect to dramas. Dramas, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You just made me think of Grimm. If you guys have never watched Grimm, go find it and watch it. Awesome show. <laughs> yeah. Six seasons, right? Of Grimm? Yeah, I six think seasons? about six seasons. Yeah, it was good. But an interesting thing about Grimm is the star of Grimm is what, David Guti Guntiali or something like that? I don't I don't remember how to Well anyway, he was the guy, he was on like, you know, Real World or whatever. He was like on Road Rules or Real World. Oh, was it Road Rules? It was one of those MTV reality shows, right? Yeah. But he became like a legit actor. Now he's like a legit, I'm a real life actor, like yeah. appearing in right. TV shows. And the same thing with Jamie Chung. Jamie Chung, yeah. Who played Gia on, on Lovecraft Country. Yeah, you didn't know she was on Real World. Though. I didn't know she was on, yeah, on I watched, Real World yeah, San I watched, Diego. Yeah, that's, she, that's how I know her. And she's yeah. like a legit, I, I just knew her as an actress. I knew her from like, you know, the Fox show. Yeah. Uh, about the mutants, whatever that was. Oh. The X Men show that came on last year. Oh my year. gosh, what was it? The I don't remember gifted? the name of it. The Gifted. Yeah. Gifted? Yeah. Was she, that that? Yeah, she yeah. was on like The Gifted right. and, and she was in other things. Mm-hmm. So I just knew her as an actress. I had yeah. no idea. I was like, wow. Like, yeah, totally watched her season. Like, before. Real World, Road Rules actually produced a few like legit and, and actors. And Jacinda Barrett, too. Jacinda also. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen her. She has a mini thing in a minute. Yeah, but she's been acting for a while. Yeah, that's that's kind of that was kind of interesting. Yeah, so that's just a nice little aside. And Jamie Chung was excellent on this show. She was very good. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. So we are gonna go ahead and wrap up. We hope you enjoyed our wonderful discussion. Um, we will include a link to the article that uh, we are referencing throughout the podcast that and article that we just like poo-pooed on poo-pooed. for the past 90 minutes <laughs> hey yo she poo-pooed on the show <laughs> she didn't have nothing good to say she did have one good thing to say i told you she she did have one good thing to say about d she she actually enjoyed the transformation that d went through like how how they helped her get back to herself right she did enjoy that and you can read. We'll we'll include the article, and you can read you that can read part, for yourself. that yeah. little bit. But she did. That was like the only thing because she felt it was like kind of like historically accurate. Accurate. How's the story accurate? Like because of the, chased her down. Yeah, and because like of her how off? they inf- infused that into the story. She felt like their use of that book was infused into the story, and I was like, but that. And that made sense for the story. 
But the other things, how is she going to feel? Uh, anyway, so we'll include a link to the article um, as well as the other article I read too that was not as, they didn't hate on it as much, but they kind of also didn't enjoy it. <laughs> right. So. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, thanks for watching. Um, watching. Oh, hey. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for watching Lovecraft. Yes. And thanks for listening to us. There we go. Yeah, clean hey, it it's, up. it's getting late. I'm, I'm getting a little sleepy. Yeah. So anyway, thanks. And um, we'll see you next time. See ya. Bye.